Hey, and welcome to another edition of the Rugby Report Card. Before I introduce the uh, who's joining me today, I sort of start off on a positive note and say that the Wallaroos uh, came up with a W this weekend uh, against, obviously, America. And also the under-20s won their second in three games against the All Blacks, which makes them bladders low champions. Surely for that edge group. So I thought I'd start with something positive because I have a feeling, Mike, um, who's joining me today, is going to run a train on the Wallabies right now. And so you can probably guess that with me is Blake. How are you, mate? Hey, mate. Well, and yourself? Oh, not too bad. Um, you know, it was nice to uh, nice to see the England. Um, obviously, won in the T20 um, uh, women's cricket. Uh, nice to see England finally get on the board for the Ashes. Um Nice to see that your son understands disappointment when he understands that Eddie Jones has made you upset all day. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a good couple of days, mate. Um, yeah, tell you what, the the um, the Ashes, what a series, eh? Um, Spewing, I thought you guys were going to blow that um, that final test there, test three. But um, I guess for the sake of the test, it deserves to be two one. I think when you look at how even it's been, we we didn't deserve to be 3-0. Um, but, man, it would have been nice. It would have been really nice. Yeah, last thing on the cricket, because we do want to talk about rugby, and I'll be the objective one, I feel, in this rant or tirade that's going to occur in the next little bit. But, um, yeah, I think the cricket could have been – it could easily be 3-0 Australia. It could easily be 3-0 England. And it just – it's not oh, get carried away. Yeah, it could be. Just if England had actually learned how to freaking catch, but they can't. Um but um, look, it's it's a great it's a great series. Um, it, it'll be a result three two four one whatever it'll be. Uh, it'll it'll be amazing. So, Test cricket continues to be the best form of the game, and I know I'm, uh, you agree on that as well. So, you know, wonderful theatre and everything that comes with it. But let's jump across to the Wallabies, mate. Um, oh, the Wallabies! Ah, the Wallabies! What's um, um, what what hurts most for you? Is it the is the fact that, that I was just to say, is it the fact that you're the hope that gets you and that you're going to spend this next uh, 20 minutes uh, whinging like the, the uh, and talking like a pork chop, like you say England always do about the cricket? Is that what you're going to do? Yeah, mate. It was, uh, it was pretty <laughs> grim, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was pretty grim. Um, no, it, it, it really does sting because... Um, there was something in the water. Like they're, they're really, Eddie had cut through the media cycle. Um, Hamish had cut through the media cycle. There was a feeling that uh, the Wallabies were about to be about something. Um, there really is this decade of Australian rugby. Even people that I chat to that are ex-rugby fans we're chatting about Eddie. We're chatting about the Wallabies. Um, I'd bought the World Cup jersey. A couple of people were like, oh, that's cool, man. I might get, might get one as well this year. Something had cut through. Now, the the pragmatic, common sense, objective person zooming out, we were always underdogs at altitude. Um, and I think, you know, if Dave Reddy was the coach and we had his setup, we're still underdogs going into that game. Um but there was some, there was a, there was a deluded hope that Eddie had the secret source, the secret ingredient to get those short-term gains. Um, and then say what you like, obviously South Africa's team was very strong, 
Um, but in terms of who we know as Australian fans, it's a B-side. Um, I understand you can zoom out and go, no, I don't think it is their B-side. Um, but as an Aussie fan, you know, all the guys we know weren't playing. Um, so it did feel like a B-side. So it felt like there was hope. Um, the the objective side of me was prepared for the hard-felt loss. I was prepared to whinge about a yellow card and the ref and, and why we lost by four. Um, and we fought hard in South Africa, and, and you can see what Eddie's done and what he's bringing to the squad. It's great to see us playing smart again. I was ready to deal with that emotional turmoil, but to just get spanked for 75 minutes, I'll exclude the first five, we looked okay. Um, it looked bad, Richard. Like we, we, it looked like everything Rennie had built in terms of defensive structures, in terms of systems, in terms of set piece, in terms of unpredictability in how we play the game, in terms of set plays, in terms of positions, players developing under his squad. It felt like literally someone, the senile uncle had come in and hit the reset button. Um, and it was, it wasn't just that we got belted, it was that we've been lied to. And it really sucked, mate. We got belted, like every part of the game, belted at set piece, belted at, belted at kickoffs, belted at the breakdown, belted at the collision, belted at kicking, belted at passing, belted at the high ball, belted at fitness, belted at physicality. Like there was no part of the game where we even looked competitive. It was grim. Sorry, rant over. You there, mate? Yeah, no, I was just listening. Look, I think um, two things. Uh, one, you do need to take a step back. I think um, I'd love to pile on Eddie, but I, I I'm not going to at this point. Australia were in camp for, for two weeks together. If you look at the 15 that was... Right, you can't teach a team and coach a team in a week. You can't coach. Well, you've never been a coach, clearly. Um, I know, but like um, the the bench was an issue, and the the you can see that the players, player for player, they just weren't ready up to test match standard. We talked about the fact that Super Rugby is you know very fast, entertaining, loose, um, and test match rugby is a big step up. And maybe this was an a little insight into the differences and the problems that I don't know uh, that, that Australia are going to face, and the advantages that South Africa are going to gather. Or Ghana from playing in the Northern Hemisphere, slow, slower rugby, uh, more forward focused, etc. Um, but I think we need to be a little bit more objective. Australia uh, brought Eddie Jones in to do well in the World Cup. Okay, um, I know that's not far away. I understand that, and there's probably only about five games before you get there. But we just know. Well, you guys need to not overreact. Now, if you get slaughtered by Richard, Argentina, Richard, this is your first podcast. Because I'm going to fucking overreact. Well, sure, I know. There's hyperbole, hyperbolic central. I know, I get it. But I'm just trying to be the voice of reason. And the thing is, when you look at the statistics that are provided, um, you look at it and say, yeah, okay, there was a lot of missed tackles from Australia. There's 29 missed tackles, but there's 29 from from the from the Bockies. You say that the uh, the set plays were atrocious. Well, uh, to be fair, looking at it, there was scrums lost and scrums won and lineouts lost and competed were very even. You know, actually, the lineout percentages won were, were actually higher for Australia than it was uh, for South Africa. So it's just you're looking at it through a lens of just you had hope. Um, and sure, sure. But let's, let's, that's why I'm saying that's why it hurts so much. Yeah, and I agree with that. But remove that lens, it doesn't look like progress. No, it doesn't. And under Rennie, there was a feeling of 
aha, a point to Ireland, a point against France. We beat South Africa. Like, yeah, we had our bad games against Italy, which I think ruined him. Um, but there was this feeling of like, I see what he's getting at. Yeah. Eddie feels like, um, and I'm sure, you know, one win, and I'll be right, oh, it's just an anomaly. We only had the team for two weeks. It was at altitude. I'll be good again. But it, the, the, the the pessimist in me is like, you know, I, I, this is brutal. But drinking the Kool-Aid was like, Eddie is that good. He sees something that other coaches don't. He knows something. The pessimist now is like, oh, fuck, is that just marketing? Is Eddie a bit senile? Like he's talking about Bob Dwyer and Ramwick. He's picking blokes because of their body shape, not because of their form this season. He's picking picking blokes out of position. He's come out, you know, I've done the stats about kicking. If you, you don't run more than three phases, you're not going to score, so we'll just kick it. Oh, that sounds good. That's a good line. That's something, you know, I'd like a coach to know. It doesn't mean just kick the fucking ball. It was like it was, yeah. it was like he had – it was literally like they were – it was like an under-10s coach. It was like, oh, you win if you kick it. Go on, boys, get it and kick it. It was, it was interesting. Um, I looked for the stat, actually. I went on rugby pass, and they, they actually had the stat. So there was the, the kick-to-pass ratio. Um, well, the Wallabies was 1 um, to 3.3. So for one – so obviously for every kick, there was 3.3 passes. And obviously for the for the Bockies, that was 1 to 3.8. I know obviously 3.3 doubled to 6.6, but that's nearly double the amount of, of passes that they did before they kicked it again, which was which was crazy. And when you when I actually watched the game as well, it wasn't just the fact that the Australians were kicking it, but it was the fact that it was an aimless kick. Uh, there was a poor chase, uh, which made uh, made it aimless as well, not only directional, but like the poor chase to follow it up. Uh, and you had the ball, you didn't have the ball for so long. Um, and so you were defending, which, as we all know, is super tiring. And then you kick it away. And I'm like, hang on a minute. Let's keep hold of the ball for a minute and recover our um, anaerobic energy systems and let ourselves look after the ball. But we kicked it away again. And we're like, oh, my gosh. Like, you had to play. And I felt for Quaid and Nick White. Mm. It was like they were instructed to play like that so they didn't have a choice. I mean, Reese Hodge played inside centre and did not run the ball. Yeah, two carries, I think it was. Crazy, like it's it was it was it was crazy that that was it's like in cricket if you did the stats okay when you bowl to Joe Root the in swinger gets him statistically more than any other delivery it doesn't mean you just bowl the in swinger the reason it gets him is because it appears once every three overs mm. and he's been playing for outswing or he's worried about the short ball. And then when the in-swing comes, it gets him off target. To just kick relentlessly, it almost reminded me of the checker era when we just ran relentlessly. Mm. I think like the, there was uh, no yeah. match. And I can't tell you, is that Nick White and Quaid's fault for not having a match awareness to being like, okay, thanks, Eddie. You want us to kick for territory. I'm still going to pick and choose. You really think that either of those in there? Or are they just that... so scared? All right. Yeah, He's you... told us to do this. You... I better fucking kick it. They're absolutely in a first international game under a new coach. You really think you're going to go up to them and go, yeah, I'm going to go against what you said. I just don't think either of them are going to have the, the balls or the, the to be able to do it. They have so much respect for Eddie. But just come back to the, the idea of kicking the ball away. I think it really led into it and watching the game, and you might disagree, but uh, the breakdown defensively was a real issue. It was like they were playing Super Rugby, though. 
there was hardly anyone competing at it. And when there was, there was only one person at a time. And they were fanning out really, really quickly. And there was a lot of times where there was a lot of space in and around the ruck. And South Africa really um, exploited that at times um, and won that battle. So when we talk about, obviously, defensively, it wasn't just the fact that they missed tackles. They lost the contact point. They lost um, the contact. Yeah, they lost the contact, but they lost that the breakdown. And and I don't mean in terms of the number of times they stole the ball, but even, but just slowing the ball down. Because, you know, the quicker ball you got, in South Africa, get quick ball, you are going to miss more tackles. You are because you're going backwards. Um, and that's got, that's something that Australia have to do. And Michael Hooper did get over the ball. He didn't have a great game, and he looked small, and we'll come to him later. But more players, uh, just poor techniques, were upright in that position at the breakdown, not getting low to the ground and trying to get him out of the way. Uh, and it was just poor technique. And I think that was more, con- more concerning. But I think that was down to fitness because they're not used to them. They, were just, they weren't able to recover because they, 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 were, they were playing without the pill. Yeah, and I think without the pill is key because you have fitness, altitude. Well, it was the altitude for the South Africans too. It wasn't like it was a home game for them. Most of those boys play in Europe. Hmm. Like they haven't had some amazing amount of time to recover. I think the other thing that that um, shocked me was the size. Mm. Um, like I know South Africans are big boys. Um, they clearly lie about their height and weight and shit because when you look at it statistically, you're like, oh, well, Australia's got the bigger pack. No, we don't, mate. No, Jim's, we Jim said he had some theories on it. I saw it in the message board. Um, I just couldn't believe how big the South Africans looked. I don't know if it's gold versus green in terms of like what it does to your body type, but to the man, they looked in the forward pack 15 kilos heavier. So does that mean what you're telling me is that you're going to go out and buy green from now on just to make yourself feel better? I look yoked, mate. So I look huge. No, I just just couldn't believe it, like how big. So go back to the That's where we talk about the change it talk about the change in styles of, of northern and some of the southern hemisphere rugby. As most of you have said, as you said, they either play in Europe um, within a European franchise or they play within their South African franchise and they still play northern hemisphere rugby. The style of play that is played up in that that form, as we all know, due to the conditions, is slower, more content on winning breakdown, ball carries slower and again. And so in super rugby. It is more free-flowing, more athletic, more going wider, et cetera. And that was the contrast. It's not necessarily saying that Australia can't get to that size, but to meet the the style of play, which is super rugby, they just haven't hit the gym that much because they want to be able to be able to run quicker, be more evasive, et cetera. And it was a pure clash of styles. Yeah, and the way rugby is at the moment, especially if you don't fucking kick the ball that much, um, but the slowness of rugby means you can be that size. Mm. Like you, you, you can, if you have the ball, yeah, yeah, sure. If you have the ball, but but yeah, you can be massive. Mm. Um, and I, I think we look small. Like Pareki, mm. I think he is the best playing hooker in Australia. He looks like a halfback compared to other international hookers. Mm. Looks like a halfback compared to other international hookers. Um, Al Alatar and Slipper, we know they're both decent. Props. Um, I don't think you know either's world class slipper. I felt sorry for him; he was injured. They're not big props. Um, we obviously had a bigger row with Frost and Skelton, um, which they looked big, which was good. Um, but I mean, with South Africa having toyed at seven, they basically have someone Frost size at seven. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, um, I like Frost as a, as a 
as a second row, but he's a he's a mobile. He's not an enforcer. He's not a he's he might he's, be one day. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't yeah. agree with that more. He might be, but he's just he's so young. Um, and I know you were you said drinking the Kool Aid. You were jumping on the skeleton bandwagon. Fifty two minutes. Um, look, he didn't do terrible, but let's be honest, he needs to do better. Um, I, I tell you what, I'm just going to come in there and defend him now, and I fuck, I caught some heat on Twitter for this. Um, I rated Skelton. I actually thought he was one of our best forwards. Um, and I think he was never going to succeed. It's at altitude. It's, hmm. That's not his style. He needs a slow, heavy track. Um, it was at altitude and he's been with the team a week. Hmm. Uh, I think that's as good a performance as we could have expected out of Skelton. Um, I don't think he had dynamic carries, but he didn't lose the contact. Um, even though, like, he didn't get well over the gain line, he didn't get pushed back, and it looked like it really took two guys to get him down. As soon as he was off, our mall went to shit. As soon as he was off, our scrum went to shit. Um, I thought Skelton played okay. I think he'll get better. Um, the longer he's in the setup, the fitter he gets. Um, and I think what hurt, what made Skelton look worse was losing Tom Hooper at six meant our line-out looked... Fragile uh, yep. with only one jumper. Um, so, and that kind of looked like Skelton's fault. So, I, I'm not going to say he had a cracking game, but of all our pack, Skelton's probably up there with the pick for me. Um, yeah. I expect better and I think we'll get better, but he, he, he didn't bother me. It was the rest of them. Yeah, look, uh, it, was just, it was just a comment on just his size and what he can do with it and, and utilising it. There was a lot of others that you're absolutely right, didn't play well. But Rob Valentini, again, didn't have as many carries. Very upright when he when he was carrying the ball, uh, which meant as a double tackle from South Africa and took him down um, quite easily, lost that contact point. You're right about Tom Hooper. Um, and the front row just, just didn't do well enough. Um, and, yeah, absolutely. And this is where I think it's... it's um, it's it's harsh to make a comment on the backs, and I know uh, Vunavales took some heat on um, various forums because obviously he had some turnovers and got the yellow card and stuff. Um, but you know what? When when the forwards are going backwards, it's really hard to get the the players into space. And he 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 had as many carries as as the other, two, you know, more so than the other players on the team. He made some stupid stupid decisions, but I feel like he's he's taking a lot of heat. I think there's an unrealistic expectation for him just because of the price tag that's associated with it. Yeah, and I think people are looking for scapegoats, but yeah. we will get to him, Richard. He was awful, awful. Hmm. I don't know. I just say rounding out the pack, the back row looked small. Um, Hooper, Michael Hooper, it's sad to see, but that size seven um, is expired. But the thing is, but the thing is, you, you go to a World Cup, and this is remember what we just come back to that point at the beginning. You brought Eddie in there to win a World Cup. You could uh, uh, legitimately win the World Cup. We're not, we're not having to play South Africa, okay? Um, and then against a, a New Zealand, a France, an Ireland. France aren't small, mate. <laughs> yeah, but they're not the size of South Africa. So what I'm saying is that the discrepancy between Michael Hooper and his opponent in all those other teams isn't as obvious as what it was um, on the weekend. You know, they are big boys, as you quite rightly said, and they're big against a lot of other teams. Um, so but yes, he also sent, uh, and I'm like, I'm reluctant to shit on Hooper because when you've played that many games... You're not going to be brilliant every game, and I think we have to hold him in such a high standard. Mm. But he seemed listless. Like the effort was just down five percent. Like 
he didn't want to be there. No, that's harsh, um, man. Uh, that's, it, that's you know, harsh. it is harsh, but it just didn't feel like. I, th- I think if you look at those breaks, there, he looked small. He he got bullied in every contact that he was a part. Least he was, at least he wasn't he was, a threat at the breakdown. He was, and he got he got a couple. Of, look, I'm not saying he had a great day, great game. He didn't. Okay, he didn't play very well. He up to his usual standard. But if we're looking, if we're, if we're comparing apples and apples, okay, then he did get over the ball. He made a couple of steals. Did he get uh, manhandled at times? Absolutely. But was he trying to get his hands in the breakdown? Absolutely. Did a lot of the other forwards do that? No, they did not. Yeah, so but I'll put it this way, Richard. At, at this point, he's picked on reputation alone. He was outplayed as a seven in Australia. He's probably fourth rated. He was picked on reputation. The fourth is harsh, by the way. He's Yes, he's probably picked on leadership and experience. I'll give you that. But so so that's harsh, fine. So, you, you know, you wear that. You hope he'll get into form. How long do you wear that for when you've got someone, Fraser McBride, who has had a sensational season in a crap team? Um, how long do you give him a go? Because there's never a spot on the bench for him. Can I ask you, has he ever been? Look at it objectively now. If every seven, natural seven, as we, we called it, them, played in Australia and did not go overseas, was he ever the best seven? What do you mean? Michael okay. Hooper. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you're saying in terms of seven. Yeah. Being a seven. I'm just saying forget that position, just full stop. Um, just think he didn't have a very good season. So we've picked him off reputation and then mm-hmm. he just come up, came out and got bullied. Yeah. In a pack that got bullied. And it's a one-game sample size. Mm-hmm. But I'm, how long till you pull the trigger and give Fraser McBride a look? Um, is all I'm asking because it was pretty or Samo at seven, just a bigger body. That's what every other team's got. I think um, you look at you know, with Adi Savia, like that's what other teams are doing. Honestly, um, on, that bigger body at seven. Honestly, I would probably say that um, the first time that um, Michael Hooper is not selected um, will be whoever's touring next year. I just think that he is. Yeah, and, and that's how I felt before this game. And I and I was an advocate for that before this game. Mm. But this game was so ineffectual. Mm. It was just like you carried another small forward to get dominated. Yeah. Uh, moving around the rest of the back row, Valentini, I mean, he was sensational in Super Rugby, Australia's best forward all season, but he didn't have the impact in this game and he somehow looked small. Like he looked like a giant in Super Rugby. Yeah, um, just just poor body height in contact. Um, was double teamed at times as well because they knew that where the runner was going. Not one of his better games, uh, but also in terms of Tom Hooper and obviously Pete Simon came, coming on in that first half as well. Uh, just uh, just they got beat up, just plain and simple. And it will be interesting to see what the makeup of that back row is in the, in the next game against the Argentinian uh, Argentinians. Um, obviously um, coming up um, because. Uh, I think that's more of a litmus test than what maybe uh, South Africa in South Africa at altitude at a ground you've not won out for like 60 years or whatever it is, something stupid. Um, that's more of a litmus test. And I think that they're talking about the barometer or the litmus test will also be for, for Quade Cooper. He, he, I'm not Quade Cooper's biggest fan, um, but again, with the forwards going backwards, um, I think Carter Gordon did well off the bench, looked fantastic, loved his grubber kick and his, his obviously scored under the uh, pretty much under the post for a try. Um, but I think you have to keep Quaid in there and have to keep Nick White in there for continuity uh, moving forward because they need a, they deserve a chance with the forwards actually going as the word suggests forwards. Because um, if you if you think 
that uh, if you don't, then that's too big a change from my view in, in such a short space of time. But I did yeah, say, look, you know, I think any Clay Cooper criticism is a bit misguided. Yeah. Um, I think he was doing Eddie's shithouse tactics. Mm. Um, hasn't played a lot of footy this year. Um, and his team got spanked. Um, and in that context, I think he played okay. Mm. Uh, still a bit of a liability in defence. Um, but, you know, that's as physical as you'll see Quaid play. Um, I thought I thought he was fine. If Quaid is your ten for the whole World Cup, I, I agree. He he needs minutes, and I think he is a world class ten. Um, however, um, and you know Carter Gordon came on and, and absolutely ripped and had a brilliant season of Super Rugby. Um, but you know he came on with ten minutes to go yeah. when I think South Africa had given up the ghost almost. Um, yeah. Can but I show, can there I is a question of, and there was a good article in the Raw, which was, you know, France 2019, they were in a similar spot. They had these older blokes who would probably make the World Cup more palatable but wouldn't win it. So they fucked them off and went into Mac, went to Pont, went the guys to, you know, put them out there. And four years later... It's the best nine in the world. It's the best ten in the world. You know, put, put them out there rather than... And, and I know it's only one game, so it's obviously hyperbole, but it feels like how long have we been saying... And I know Tupo and Bell have been injured, so there's nothing you can do there. But how long have we been excusing Tupo and Bell needing to be the understudy to Toa and Slipper? How long have we... Now we're saying Carter Gordon needs to be the understudy to Quay Cooper because he's the experience. Mick Wright oh. needs to be the understudy to Michael Hooper. Thanks. When you don't play course, when you don't play your stock rises, it's the same thing as Fraser McRae. Everyone, we're jumping yeah, off. Yeah, it's Hayley What I'm saying is yeah. we're going with the old guys and they got pumped. Um, I think there's a... I don't know, there's a real feeling of, okay. So my... I've only got one or two more games, boys. My Patience. argument... My counter-argument to that was as I was at the beginning of his career, I was a huge advocate that I wanted to see Noah Lolosio play instead of Quay Cooper. I thought he was the future, and I was proved wrong. Okay, I thought he was the guy who should have been in there long-term, and he was given a long run. And really, if you look at it objectively, it's actually screwed him over because he's now lacking confidence. He doesn't know where his next game's coming from. He's moved overseas. Yes, I hear what you're saying. You know, Sack off the old guards and put all these young guys in, but... You could actually do a really it needs to it look, it'll be the litmus test. You either they either fly and succeed or they don't, because it'll be a case of you could ruin them. Um, and they're a great bunch of players at the moment. And that's the the risk and reward that you take. Um, and but look, so and I think the reality is this is a game of frustration. We all know what's happening. You take the old guard to this World Cup. Yep, correct. And next season it's the young guard. Yep. Um, and you have Lonergan at nine and you have Carter Gordon at ten and um, then you move you move it around and you keep Fraser McWright, Jorgensen, Solis there. No, I know that, but I, I think the frustration with the Aussie fans is like we're holding back to keep going with these blokes that have never won. Yeah. <laughs> and not only are they never winning, they're getting bullied. Like they got bullied. But with that said, I agree, Michael Hooper is your wallaby captain. Give him a little bit longer, but the pressure is on. Um, I think the front row, there's probably less patience there. Um, you just, especially the reserve front row, they got spanked. Um, the back row. Just something controversial to I'm going to say to you. Just, um, in years gone by, at around the 60, 70 minute mark, you'd look at the Australian bench. And I know it's indicative of injuries at the moment, which is what we've just, just been talked about. 
But you'd look to you look at 16 to 23 and you look at the 60 minute mark and you'd see the players coming on of the Australian bench and you go, holy shit, like the quality that was coming on. Now, no disrespect, you look at those those impact players, whatever you want to call them, on Saturday, 16 through 23. It didn't inspire me, let's be honest. Yeah, the backs did. I thought Tate, Carter, Gordon came on and they were great and actually carried the ball. Correct, but look Um, at 16 through 20. Ulysses, Gibbon, Nongor, Arnold, Sami. Tate McDermott come on, looked and played well, but he always plays well in open space, plays a different type of game. Um, Simon Karevi, yes, carry the ball. Carter Gordon comes on and does great. But for me, if you've got a 10 on there and you've got a and Reese Hodge on there, you shouldn't really have another 10 on the bench as well. You need to have more of a utility player because if you're going to pick your 10, stick with your 10. Like uh, it's just that those impact players lacked the je ne sais quoi if we're talking about French rugby, um, to, which in previous years they always had. But that, that, that bench front row, um, and this is where Eddie worries me. You look at Zane, um, 22, prop, had an okay back end of the season, still got tooled up at scrum time. He's a big boy, right? He's a big boy. But is that Eddie Jones, the 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 grade coach, being like, I'm going to pick the biggest prop? Mm. You know what I mean? Like he, he can't scrummage and you just put him up against South Africa, in South Africa, to get absolutely demolished. Um, and I know there's a thousand injuries, so it's tough. Yes. But look at Gibbon. He's never even scrummaged well at Super Rugby. No, I know. He's and that's all the serviceable bench player at Super Rugby. Yulisi, um, who again just picked because he's big. Let's be honest. Just another coach fell in love with his frame, which I, I hey I hear Paraki looks like a halfback to me. So I understand thinking you need a big hooker. The worst performing hooker in Australian Super Rugby couldn't make the Rebels. Came on and sucked the Wallabies. Of course, he was going to suck. Mm. Why wouldn't he? Um, so once that bench front row was on, it was brutal. Ricciano, it was rough. Um, you know, didn't have a lot of minutes. He was coming onto a team that was already slaughtered to try and play a tight second row game. Mm. I'm fine with him, but you know, a lot of upside to Philip and Swain too. Yeah, um, no, but it's just when I look, we, we need to move away. And I know you, you can. I just want to shit on the backs really quickly. It's just Vunavalo. I know you tried to soften that. That truly was one of the all time horrific games of rugby. Every single involvement, whether it was in defense, joining a ruck, a more, every single time you go back and watch it, every single time he is involved in the game, we can see the penalty. It's remarkable. Um, he, he genuinely was so far out of his depth. South Africa targeted him so obviously, um, and he really didn't look up to the program. I defended his selection entirely. Um, I figured if, you, if you've if you got what it takes to be the best wing in rugby league for a couple of seasons, if you've got his frame and his aerial skills, I'm sure that can translate. They can't, and it's not the arena to learn it. Um, and that's the thing. you have been selected. You know, he's a, he's a fan selection. Someone like me, think of his potential. Put him in there. An, an actual Wallaby coach should be able to see at training that this guy doesn't know where to stand. This guy doesn't know how to put his body height into a rock. Hmm. Like, and that's why I feel a bit sorry for him. You know, the, 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 the knives are out for him because he's on huge coin and everyone seems to be expecting big things from him. But he hasn't played enough games. Like, he was a very good winger, obviously, for the Storm. And it was well, I even went back and watched his highlights for the Storm, Richard, and... um. 
some phenomenal tries, but every single one was um, taking the high ball. Because in rugby league, if you were a winger, you'll get five shots a game to catch a high ball to score a try. That's the way rugby league is structured. You you try and score your fifth kick. In rugby union, how often does that happen, that that cross-field kick to a winger? At most, twice a game, if it's a deliberate and obvious tactic. Um, you're just not kicking it within your in the opposition 22 very often. He doesn't have a lot of when I was like I couldn't see a lot of footage of him running to break tackles. Um, no, look, but again, yeah, look, but he wasn't the only. Like I agree with what you've said. I just I felt sorry for him. There was a, he did carry the ball uh, as many times as other players. His meters were very similar to other players, but just defensively he's weak. But he's not the only one in that in that back row. Uh, the sorry, the the backs that are that are weak as well. Like Reese Hodge, he plays fifteen, he plays ten, he plays twelve. He's a jack of all trades. I don't know. I'm making him the scapegoat, but he didn't carry with the water enough. Quaid needs to shovel it to him to get them over the game line to be able to go wider to Icky Town. Well, see the two guys that you just named. They clearly were the worst two backs on the field. Hodge and Vunavalo, right? Yeah, they were Eddie's picks. I know. Everyone else was okay. This the that's the stock standard placeholder for that position. And Hooper, yeah. They were the two decisions that he made, and they were both a disaster. Mm. Reese Hodge is not a twelve. Quaid can I just say, if this was twelve, who can track it up? If this was a, if this was a year ago, and this was England's selection, you'd be loving this, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, oh, it goes without saying. And again, <laughs> it's a small sample size; it's one game, right? We come on here and we throw it out, but it it felt like Rennie knew how he wanted to play. Mm. He'd done the Vinavalu experiment, pissed him off. He knows Hodge is in the 12. That would have been Fichetti at 12. There's no way we don't have a better game. And I think Uh, it's hard. It's hard because I I know you you can carry on and you can cut me off again, but it's hard because if you look who they're matched up against, you know, Reese Hodge is matched up against Esther Hazen. Um, Absolutely. His running lines, he got his arms out of the tackle, his offload. Um, his ability to draw two players in and still be able to get quick ball. You know, um, you look at Vunavalo matching up against uh, Moody and um, Arense or Kirtley Arense, just freaks and being able to take the ball forward. And that's why I feel a bit sorry for the backs as a forward myself. Like, it's very hard to perform well and when you are going backwards. And that's yeah, why... But let's say Kikitao, right? He didn't do much. Kicked it out on the full ones. Fucking tackled like a beast. Threw a nice pass here or there. Took a few nice carries. Quiet game. Well, you're not going to have a big game at 13 when your team's that dominated, are you? But he did his job with one error. Um, and, and one error is not good enough at this level. But he did his job with one error. The two guys we've singled out made all of the errors. Um, and at, at, at that level, it's just it's got to be error-free footy from your backs. Um, yeah. yeah. No, and look, the other thing was... It was a penalty count 13-3. We've said it here before that if you concede more, more than 10 penalties, you're not winning the game. If you lose the penalty count, you're not winning the game. Now, I acknowledge fully that those penalties are because we were being dominated. Yes. Uh, and if you actually look at the South African penalties, I went back and I watched it, mate. Two of the penalties were harsh. Mm. They got, like, Lucanian Arm definitely won the ball and we, no, he got penalised for him. They could have had one penalty at the end of this game. 
Um, they yeah, but there's there's some tight call there's some tight calls as well, which a few a few times South African players put their hands on the floor to be able to try and nick the ball, which they got away with. But you're right; it's unfortunately when you're going backwards, you give away more penalties. It's it's plain and simple. Yeah, that is what, what I'm happens. saying is at this level, we know what wins: few errors, lots of discipline, decent set piece. Yeah, no, and definitely. Like Eddie came in thinking, I'll tell you what wins at this level, kicking the ball heaps and picking a rugby league winger. And again, it's just one game. All the ingredients could come together. I think individually there is a lot of talent in the squad, but, mate, there was a lot of goodwill leading up to this game mm -hmm. and it was it was squandered pretty quick. Um, and I don't think beating Argentina in Australia restores a lot of that goodwill. Well, do you know what? They, they, they need to employ a good media mark manager and get on the older. Let's be up the checker. Checker versus, um, you know, Eddie Jones train and then maybe build up some hype and then you go down to Parramatta and you win comfortably. And that may get some goodwill because let's be honest, the average Joe probably doesn't even know that they lost 43-12. Uh, but I think yeah, it's... That, I mean, that's the only thing that saved him, right? That it was the one o'clock in the morning in South Africa. Mm. But, but I got text. What was that? That was a disgrace from people, you know. Just tapping in. It was. They were talking about the cricket, man. Um, look, let's just talk about the other South Africans, just just to talk about them. We've already mentioned Moody and uh, Rense, Kurt Lee. You know, just uh, Esther Hazen was it was awesome. Lucano, I'm doing Lucano and things. Manny, uh, Manny uh, Leboc doing well, but also just the forwards. Go back to it. Could list all of them, but. Uh, Jean Kine, I think it is, a former Munster player. He's been playing over there, was going to play for Ireland, but now he's decided he wants to play for South Africa. It was was awesome. Uh, front row was awesome. Even Dwayne Vermeulen rolled back the clock. You know, I didn't think he was as dynamic as what he was, the, what he showed at the weekend. And Peter Steph de Toit uh, just continues to show what a class player he is. So uh, the Springboks... It's hard to look bad when you win that easily, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, and, and look, they didn't start off great. You know, poor decision-making for the Corabete try in the corner, you know. Um, and it was a guy rushing out to try and shut it down and good passing out the back from, I think it was Ikitada right and then right in the corner to, to Corabete. But they adjusted and they played smart rugby and they they kicked the goals where they needed to. Uh, they got over the game line and and they just did very well. And it'll be interesting to see how they go next week because the to use your phraseology over on the older guard, the more um, expected lineup, the twelve guys that they've sent down to New Zealand, um, they got some guys chasing them, chasing them now. You know, um, Cobus Reinach had a had a had a good game. Again, front football makes you always look better. But it'd be interesting to see what the what the actual 15, what's the best 15 of South Africa actually looks like because they've got so many players to choose from. Yeah, them versus New Zealand next week's going to be an absolute belter because that's the real clash of North versus South in terms of styles mm. um, and seeing how much harm Super Rugby's done to New Zealand mm. um, because they just waltzed over Argentina mm. um, on the weekend. They made it look really, really easy. Um, it'll be genuinely fascinating um to, to see that one my gut still is new zealand i just can't not tip new zealand in new zealand um i just think there's but they're not what they used to be um yeah. and that's what african set up plays test match rugby they keep mm. their goals they don't make many errors they don't give away a lot of penalties they've got really good set piece they don't miss a lot of tackles 
Yeah, and um, that's the that's the thing though. We're looking just just a bit more on the on the Kiwi Argentina game. Look, they did win comfortably, forty one, you know, twelve. Obviously, very similar scoreline to the other one. But you know what? They 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 did. They missed a lot of tackles uh, within the game. They they di- they didn't execute to the same level as what you know the traditional New Zealanders normally do. But the caveat has always been, well, you didn't have your Crusaders in the team, and that that game that's coming up this weekend with the Crusaders back in a first choice team against hopefully a first choice ish South African team. You're absolutely right. It's chalk and cheese, clash of two stars. I'm never going to back against the Kiwis because they're in New Zealand, uh, but it'll be a great game. I'm excited to watch oh, it. Mate, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a really, really exciting game. And I mean, fans have got short memories. If the Wallabies show up and win on the weekend, um, all's forgiven, isn't it? Yeah, completely. And you'll be eulogizing on here about Eddie's a genius and the fact yeah, is that, these players are yeah, completely are the best of the best. Mate, and that's what it is as a fan. But I think what scares you as a fan is the wheels coming off, which happened on the weekend, and not seeing progression. Now, what scares you is the fact is you've watched England be mediocre for the last two years and you loving it. And what scares you is that you're going to go down the same uh, pathway. And it's trying to work out is Eddie just a weekend away from it all coming together and he is a visionary or is Eddie a senile bloke chatting about Bob Dwyer in the Ramwick who just isn't up to date with modern sports science the it's probably it's probably a bit from it's probably a bit from column A and a bit from column B if we're being honest. <laughs> like it's like which one's true? Because we all drunk the Kool Aid that he's this maverick and he's a week away from it all gelling, and when he does, no other team saw it coming. Um, but then on the other hand, it's like, is it or has he just lost the plot a bit and he's picking guys because of their body shape? Do you know what? Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the next two weeks are. Huge for Australian psyche and Australian mindset, which is the same thing, pretty much a synonym. But you've got to beat Argentina in round two, and then you have to at least be close in that game against New Zealand. Because if you don't, if you you lose two out of the three badly and only get close with one of them, or you lose all three of them, the knives will be out. They will be sharpened. But um, I agree entirely. The South African one, no one expected us to win. Um, It was two weeks, blah, 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 altitude, all of the things. On at midnight, okay, there's a bit of grace here. We're willing to, to, you can't lose to Argentina on primetime TV. Cannot happen. And the one game that everyone is tuning in for, you're entirely right, Richard, is you cannot get spanked by New Zealand. But can I just say, Checker will love it if he's the party pooper, just uh, just just for the you know for the record. Eddie abused him with England Australia for a while. He would love to be that person who comes and adds the extra nail. And you know what I want to come on record and say. And I know you said at the start of the, the podcast, the World Cup, it's about a World Cup year. I fucking hate that rhetoric. I've always said it. Let's be honest, Richard, Australia aren't winning this World Cup, right? It's not happening. We're losing a semi or we're losing a quarter. That's what's happening, okay? Whether we lose the semi or the quarter, I'd rather lose the semi. I'll be watching every minute. I'll be pumped, okay? Whatever if we won all of these games. 
Mm. Give me a bladder slide. We're not winning the World Cup. It's not happening. Yeah, the problem is is with rugby. It's, I don't care if we get one stage further if it means we had to lose every game in the lead-up to it. Mm. That's not a trade-off I'm willing to make. No, but it's also... Proud, competitive, and to win now. Yeah, but it's it's the that's the issue with really it's a four year cycle. If you look at other sports around the world, it's international sports. So, for example, football, uh, it's a two year cycle. You're going towards a European Championship, which is a major tournament, and so therefore after that you go another two years and it's a World Cup. It's like every two years, whereas because it's a four year cycle for rugby to get to a World Cup, it does seem like it's just a holding pattern to get to that point, and there's not the same intensity to ensure that. You qualify for the next World Cup and then or next European Championship and then everything matters in a world ranking and to get to the whereas here it's just kind of like, oh, if you don't do well for two years, it's okay because we're building. Yeah, I've, I've, what I'm saying is I don't have that. I agree with you on that. I don't have that also. I want England to be smashing it every week. I want to make sure that England are number one in the world and I want to make sure that I'm shoving it in your face. Not on here, obviously. I'm very Look, I've said it before, I take four bladder slows. And don't make the quarters in the World Cup any day. Yeah, because it's, it's, more, regular, it's more regular success. Yes, it's rather yeah. than that. I hear you. I hear what you're saying. So uh, I just don't like the excuse that Eddie's building for the World Cup. But it's... it's if you lose it's, all of these games, you better fucking win it, mate. Yeah, but it's, he's got an excuse this time because of the proximity. It's not like it's three years away. It's six months away. That's why he's got an excuse this time. Yeah, I, I what I'm saying is... It doesn't watch. I get. It. I know. I, I totally get. That excuse doesn't watch with me, and I reckon there's a lot of Wallaby fans that feel the same way. No, I I, I agree. I agree. Um, so you write a big couple of weeks for a yeah. I think one thing we can all agree on is that Vunavalu will never play for the Wallabies ever again. No, um, I disagree with that. He's gonna be. He's gonna play, and Eddie's gonna uh, play him next week. There you go. So you reckon Eddie will do that thing that Eddie does, which is I know best. I know best, mate. And you know what? We need to give him a chance. He's a good boy. You know, we need to get him here. And uh, he just needs another He needs another go. So he'll pick him at the weekend. I think realistically, you've got to pick a pretty similar team. You you rush Tupo and Bell onto that bench as soon as possible. No, you, you don't. You hook her on the bench as soon as possible. Um, other than that, not a lot changes. Tom Hooper comes out. You think Jed Holloway's a like-for-like like replacement there. Just to compare, can you imagine Jed Holloway? No, just, he's much bigger and stronger than I am. Do you imagine Jed Holloway packing down against this a South African, like Peter Stafter toy or something like that? The discrepancy. That's just, funny. But this is what I mean. Just no, I know. I know. We're going over, we're yeah. going over the same thing. Uh, look, just, you, yeah, you're right. It is. And look, the only question is if you're going to give Fraser McBride and Carter Gordon minutes before the World Cup, this is the only game to do it. Um, so, yeah, you play them against, uh, you play them now, then you play them against Wales or France, then you play them against France, and then you play them against Georgia. If so, do you pick him this weekend? Uh, no, I don't, because I don't believe in chopping it. If you've made the decision that this is your best team, and we don't know the reasons why he selected this, if he if he truly believes this is his best 15, you cannot chop and change. You have to pick and stick and you to create that, that continuity. And you know what? Last year, when uh, Karevi and Cooper played together and, and Cooper could shovel it to Karevi, you were a much better team. So oh, I reckon... I'm not that worried about the back line, Richard. Mm. I think once you piss Reese Hodge out of 12 and get Vunavalo the fuck out of there, 
your Pataira and Callaway coming back. I'm not too worried about the back line. Yeah. Um, the, the the pack worries me a lot. Yeah, I, I would still say, and I think I said, I've been on record saying this, I think Skelton off the bench is more impactful, particularly late in the game with his bulldozing runs. I think he'll get over the game line much easier. Uh, so I think a change potentially in second row, keep Frost. Uh, I'd even maybe think about with uh, Hooper coming out, put Samo in. You could even move Valentini to six and put Samo at eight, uh, just for uh, just for obviously for for uh, to meet that. Is a skeleton. No, but I'm saying skeleton's on the bench. You know, madness. It's a st- madness. It's yeah. going around forwards. It's actually can hold his own internationally. Yeah, but against Argentina, I just think coming off the bench with. 40 with 35 to go or 40 uh, 30 or 35 to go i think he just makes a, a big difference but i take your point now uh, for me if skeleton's your second round of the world cup which he is he needs to play every minute leading up to it yeah. i think he's the type of guy you just got to get minutes into him and then you also got to realize how you play with the second round that you can't jump which is uh, pretty crazy it is um, but you can do it you know what i mean and yeah. and, and our line out was okay on the weekend yeah. Um, yeah, mate. All in all, a pretty grim weekend. All right. Rugby. Um, pretty at least fun. you won. At least you won the cricket. Um, oh, actually, no. Um, which um, uh, both both games this weekend? Are you going for a Kiwi win against the Bockies and uh, Australia win against the Argies? Yeah, with with incredibly lack of confidence. Um, I've seen nothing of the Argentinians, so I just have no idea other than their game on the weekend. They look yeah. shit house, um, and some of them look like they've been playing in Japan. Like they look really underdone. Um, but who knows, mate? They're the most unpredictable team in world rugby, Argentina. Um, so I'm thinking we beat them, but I have no idea. South Africa, New Zealand, it's a lottery coming up. I, I really don't know, but I, I've just got to back New Zealand at home. Oh, yeah, yeah, I agree on both those. I just, with all of this, just like the Crusaders, we backed the Crusaders to win the Super Rugby Championship about three or four weeks out. And it's the same. I find it very uncomfortable backing against a Kiwi team in New Zealand. So, um, uh, And I feel a sense of, um, uh, you know, Kiwis are our brothers. Play Super Rugby with them. I, I, unless they're playing us, I'm happy to wish them success. Aren't England your brothers too? Don't you wish them success? No, mate, they're like your your cousin that you hate. All right. Okay. Fair enough. Thought we were closer than that, buddy, but fair enough. <laughs> no, That's buddy. Fine. It's news um, to me. Thanks. Thanks for the love and support. Um, all right. Well, hopefully Jim will be back for the uh, – actually, does he, does he even do this podcast anymore? Very, mate. He's always fucking overseas. How much money's up I've got? Oh, mate. What but do you reading? Making a, he's making money off the podcast. He's just never told us. Oh, that's absolutely. You know what? He's probably selling shirts. He's getting some revenue from the podcast that we don't know about. He's Bet you there's a Patreon we don't know about. Well, we did set one up for you in an echo chamber, so <laughs> you might be raking some money in that I don't know about either. <laughs> uh. Um, All right, mate. Well, Wallaby fans, hang in there for one more week. And if we're shit out again, come join us on here for some cathartic release as we tear them to shreds. But in the meantime, let's believe again. Let's drink the Kool-Aid. Eddie's a genius. He knows something that we don't know. Wallabies to win by 30. Vunavalu, man of the match. 
All right. Let's just calm down a little bit. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Catch ya.